Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. At the Pastors Appreciation Banquet, uh, the guest minister, guest speaker rather, Pastor Lou, spoke from uh, 2 Corinthians and in my remarks after the uh, ceremony, I, I asked those that were in attendance to remember the message. See, I knew what was going to happen, uh, where I had to go to, down a few roads. I wanted you to remember because I wanted to make a connection. Pastor Lou referenced the Apostle Paul mentioning that uh, the hardship Paul had endured for the sake of Christ. And in that scripture, it identifies seven adversities which had taken a toll on Paul's physical being. And then the apostle made this profound statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. He says, besides these other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. And this was the thought and the inspiration that motivated this message this morning. I knew that after the appreciation service, the following Sunday, that that Monday I was going in for surgery. And yet, in thinking about all the things that I had gone through and was getting ready to go through, I still had the concern for the church. And that made the counsel of Jephro resonate in my spirit even more than it had already done so. Like the apostle Paul, Moses had to deal with many adversities. And these adversities mainly came at the hands of his own people. In fact, in Acts 17, the people were going try to kill Moses because they didn't have no water. But in chapter 18, these same people that threatened to stone him, we find Moses so concerned for these people that he's in a quagmire of, of, of emotion that he's reaching the point of physical and emotional limitations. This is why the counsel of Jephro was necessary. Many of you who are Bible students will be familiar with Jephro's counsel to Moses. But sometimes, which is often overlooked, is the impact of wisdom on the diversity 
of leadership within God's local churches today. And as we go through these passages, I want to bring five things to your attention concerning Jephro. Five things that I want to bring your attention concerning Jephro. The first thing is his identification. Who is Jephro? Well, let's look at what verse 1 said. And Jephro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought them out of Egypt. Two things that we can find in this passage about his identity. First of all, his religion. It's important for you to understand this because a lot hinges on his religion. Jephro was a priest of the Midianites who worshipped idol gods. Don't miss that. In fact, the worldview was one of polytheistic. That means the belief in others' God. Including most of the Jewish people believed in multiple gods. The second thing about his identity was his relationship. His relationship to Moses. Moses was married to his daughter Zipporah. So that made him uh, his father-in-law. Now here's the scene. Under the leadership of Moses, God had defeated the mighty armies of the Egyptians, freed the people from, from Israel. They had crossed the Red Sea after some difficulty. And now Jephro is coming to meet Moses with his, Moses' wife and his two children. Counter re- reunion. And at this meeting, Moses gave a detailed account of all that God had done for Israel, including the ten plagues across the Red Sea. And here's the point. Jephro believed what Moses had said. And because of that, it goes to the second thing that we need to see about Jephro, his jubilation. His jubilation. After he had received this encounter, his jubilation. Verse 8. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jephro rejoiced of all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hands of the Egyptians. In this polytheistic society, it's important that when we read the Old Testament, we notice the words that are used. In this case, he used the word Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It's the name that God calls himself. When Moses asked, who shall I say? It is pronounced by us today as Yahweh or Jehovah. It is I am. Now, I want you to picture Jephro's mind. He, he's a priest of the Midianites who serves a different God. But he believed Moses' account. And when the first thing he did was rejoice. He did not get in a confrontation or an argument about this God. He believed what his son-in-law had said. And that went from 
jubilation to adoration. Now, adoration is a form of worship. Look with me at verse 10 through 12. And Jephro said, and Jephro said, he didn't think it. It wasn't something in his mind. He verbally proclaimed praise to God. In this morning faith development class, I believe Brother Morgan had asked Dr. Dunbar about this thing, bless the Lord, is the word Barak. It means a physical, verbal sound of bragging on God. For all you people that think y'all can pray silently, that you ain't barocking. You might be doing something else. Jephro said, Bless me the Lord who delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the hands of Pharaoh and who delivered the people from under the hands of Egyptians. And let me kind of read that first sentence in verse 10. Bless ye Jehovah. Bless ye Yahweh. He is distinguishing them from Asteroid, from Molech, and from all the other gods he served. He is now exalting the God of the Israelites. And then he makes this statement. Sometime, some of us need to get to this point. A now I know point. A now I know point. It's a point of discovery. You don't try everything else, you don't hurry everything else, but something happened and now you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like my mother, Mile and Meek, as she may have been, mama used to do a, a, a lot of threatening. But one time she called me and I didn't respond. And she said, Dave Orchard Wilcoxon, when she used that full name. Next thing I know, I had switched all on my backside. Now I know that mama meant what she said. So look at me in verse 11. He said, now I know that Jehovah or Yahweh is greater than all the other gods, which is the Elohim, the name for just God in general. For in this very thing which they behave proudly, he was above them all. Another part of adoration. Then Jephro, verse 12, Moses' father-in-law took a burnt offering and offered sacrifice to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law God. There are three things that we can say about this passage. In verse 10, he praised Yahweh. In verse 11, he proclaimed his superiority. And in verse 12, he made a presentation. This is all worship, folks. Now, his praise, his proclamation, his presentation led to his practicality. And that leads to the fourth thing that I want you to know about Jephro. His observation. His observation. Verse 13. And so it was on the next day that Moses set to judge the people. And all the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. 
So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone or alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning to evening? Jephro asked Moses two questions. What you doing? And why are you doing it? He didn't wait for an answer. He knew it had to be more to it. What you doing and, what, and why are you doing it? And Moses had a response. And as a pastor, it was a good response. And as a pastor, I really can understand what Moses is saying here, even though oftentimes when Bob or Reason see this, they criticize Moses. Stick with me on this. And Moses said to his father, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have difficulties, they come to me. And I judge between one and another. And I make known the statutes of God and his law. My brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that Moses was called to lead. He was out there in the wilderness by himself, tending sheep, happy with Zipporah. When he saw this bush that did not burn, he just simply went up there to see what was going on. He hears this voice say, take your shoes off. For the ground that you're on, the holy ground. And after this encounter, he hears God said to him to go back to Egypt. Man, I just ran away from down there. They got a warrant on my life, and you want me to go back? I can't talk, yada, yada, yada. He knew that God had called him, with no doubt in his mind. So he believed, and get this now, he was doing what he was supposed to do. And to Moses' credit, he was the only one qualified to do what he was doing. Nobody else could judge the people because nobody else knew God's law. So Moses now confronted with his father-in-law counsel, or at this right now, observation, and he basically said, I'm doing what God called me to do. And then we get to the fifth thing. Jephro's consultation. Verse 17. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourself out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Don't, 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 don't misunderstand. Don't criticize Moses, because what Moses was doing was not the issue. The people need to judge. They need to hear from God. What Moses was doing was a good thing. 
The problem was the way that it was being done. And I can understand when Moses feels like he didn't have nobody else that he could count on. I can understand why he tried to do it all himself. I remember at my previous church, people noticing that I was overwhelmed with responsibilities. I had this dear friend come to me and say, Brother Dave, I can type. Because I, I, was, I was missing everything there at that time. We were growing. I can correlate programs. How's the janitor do? I can come up and clean up. What do you need me to do? Just call me. And when I got overwhelmed, I called. And the answer I received was not what I wanted to hear. I can't do it when you want me to do it. What you want me to do will have to fit my schedule. So you know what I did being Dave Wilcoxon, don't you? I did it myself. Continuing with Jeff Rose's consultation, verse 19. Listen now to my voice, and I will give you counsel. <laughs> Y'all hold that point. And God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And this day, he said, you just pray for the people. You intercede as a priest for the people. And here is the kicker. And you shall teach them the statutes and law and show them the way in which they are, they must get this now, two things. Must walk and the work they must do. Oh, I can get a lot of people to walk godly, but I can't get them to work for God. Now, let me just say this, lest Satan steal the, the thought. I'm not talking about my faithful deacons. They have tried this course very well with me. I'm not talking about the ministers. I'm not talking about the current leaders. I'm talking about those people who are content. We're just coming to church. You have no idea what it takes to run ministry. You just think it happens. Moses was called, or he made this statement. The people are coming to me and I got to do something. And Jephro was saying, teach him. Teach him. Not only how to walk in the Lord, but how to work for the Lord. 
This is where many leaders fail. Remember who, and this is the side part, who is Jephro? Jephro is a heathen. He is not a Jew. And yet he's telling Moses what to do. Moses, now I want you to just think with Moses. Man, I just led over, they say somewhere between 700,000 and 6 million people. I just led 6 million people out of Egypt. I have just been used by God to perform 10 plagues. I have just stretched out God's rod and the water party, and Pharaoh's army got drowned in it. And now you, trying to tell me what to do? I mean, God been speaking to me all this time directly. Why is he going to use you now? See, we reject the message of God based on the messenger. I want you to also think of this. Even if Moses, which he did not, did not reject Jephro's counsel, but he saw the wisdom of Jephro's counsel, he still had a challenge. How in the world was he going to teach over a million people the ways and the work of the Lord? How's he going to do that? And Jephro provides the answer in verse 21. Moreover, select from all the people able men. Now, this word select implies more than appointing has the idea of delegation of authority. And from my perspective, loosing control. And then he gave the qualification of these men. And let me just say it here. Woe man. And even some of you young people. Three qualifications. He said, men said to fear God, men of truth, hating covenants, that's reverence of God, belief in God, and no desire for self-gain, including finance. He said, place such of them to be rulers over thousands, hundreds, rulers over fifties and tens. And Brandon, I believe that God is dealing with even some young people right now. And I'm not talking about teenagers. I'm talking about some of you 
younger people, God is trying his best to get to your heart. Because he has a calling upon your life. If you ever wonder why all this violence is going on among the young generation, it's because I believe that Satan is trying to do what he did a long time ago with Jesus. He did the same thing with Moses. If you remember, Pharaoh had killed a whole bunch of babies because he couldn't get to Moses. Herod killed a whole bunch of babies because he couldn't get to Jesus. And now Satan is trying to kill a whole bunch of babies, trying to get to some of you. But you won't acknowledge your calling because of shame. I realize it's not popular for young people to say that God is dealing with me. To do right. Jephro continued in verse 22. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter that they bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. Let, let, let me read verse 22 again and, 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 and as, as you read it with me. Let them, allow them, loose them, empower them to judge the people, not just on Sundays or Wednesdays at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they bring to you but every small matter, they themselves have judged so that it will be easier for you. For they will bear the burden with you. Now, the word burden is not in the original Hebrew text, but it's closely linked with that word concern in 2 Corinthians 11.28. It implies a weight that will wear you down. Physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We had a little health class this morning in faith development. Dr. Dunbar wanted to tell you all about the brain. But Doc has also been certified that when you get emotional weighed down, it affects your immune system. All right. You're more susceptible to catch stuff when you got mess on your mind and on your heart. Right. So Jeffro's counsel was basically this. Take a load off. Take a load off yourself and distribute it others. And that's what I intend to do. And if we don't have the others, 
then we won't have that ministry. See, sometimes when we have all these ministries, all of them ain't of God. Sometimes, hey, we just see other churches doing it, and we won't do the same thing. But God ain't told you to do that. If you ain't got the horses, you can't pull the carriage. I tell Joe that all the time. You ain't ain't got the horse, you can't pull the carriage. As much as we want the wagon to roll, ain't going nowhere. See, donkeys don't do well pulling stuff. They do real very good pushing stuff. I'm almost there. Verse 23. If you do this thing and God so command you, now you know what that. Here's a man that's believing in other gods, but he acknowledged that Yahweh was above them all. So God is now using him. Because he said, God commands you. Then, if you do this, then you'll be able to endure. And these people also go to their place in peace. Jeffro Castle gave Moses a choice to change. A choice to change. And the choice that I have to change is calling for some of you others to step up. I'm not talking about those already in leadership positions. Talk about some of you who feel like you're not qualified to lead. What is God telling you? See, one of the problems with this, we think leadership has to be with being out front and people seeing. Last verse. Verse 24. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law, that healer, and did all that he said. There are several things that we can learn from Jeffro Council, but I'm going to end with five. Number one, even qualified people for leadership need to be trained. I have several young preachers that come to me and tell me they were called of God and the only thing they want to do is open their mouth and get out there and hoop and have people say amen. But when you talk about them training, they balk. Even with the free training we provide here, they balk. And some of you going to make right now going to make excuses. We have avenues right here for all types of training, for teachers, for ministers, anybody we train, and most of it is free. But you're going to let time get in the way. Number two, 
It's not healthy for the church to elevate everything to the pastor. I want to caution people now, if you are under a ministry, don't bring to me, go to that ministry head. I got five individuals I should be dealing with. Not every little thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about talking in conversation. I'm talking about decision making. Some things I don't need to know about it because I'm going to worry about it. I'm going to take too much on myself. You howl it. Number three. Other people are needed to be people problem solvers. Some of the issues that we have among ourselves can be solved among ourselves. Just a friend, just a church member. Talk to them. And you people in leadership position, you make decisions. Even though I may not agree, but I'm going to back you up because you're in that position. Number four. Number four. It is imperative to get new people involved. My daddy was here right now. He said, hot to mighty. New people involved. New blood. Some of y'all get all upset by these babies crying. I just hope I can live another 20 years and see them grow up. I remember coming to church when I first got here. Some 20 years ago, one baby that was crying all the time, one baby that wanted to have his way all the time, and I had to chastise that baby once because he didn't want to get buckled into his, his, his seat, and I told that boy, if you don't shut up, I'm going to what I'm going to do, and that boy's right here. Can't wait till they grow up. <laughs> Amen. And, and Jeremy, it's another thing, too. You guys are doing a great job. But for those young men that don't have a male influence in their life, we got them. Just like Crawford, Willis, Crawford Laris was saying about his daddy, we got people here that will protect you, but you've got to realize they got your best interest at heart. I always tell people when we have dedication to the baby about Godparents, Godparents are not designed just to give the baby everything he wants. Godparents are just that, God. When that baby not being exposed to things of God, that's when the Godparents stepped in and said, you dedicated this baby, you supposed to do this. We got to get new people involved. Number five. Leaders cannot be obsessed with concern for themselves. 
Deacon Jones thought something was wrong with me because I wasn't here at my normal little bit before seven. We can't do business being late, folks. Because that means you're obsessed with you. Because if church was a job, would you be fired for tardiness? For walking off the job? Hey, will you clock out for me? I'm gone. I just work on base. I know how they do. Now, let me just say this, and I'm, I'm through. This is not a swan song of my farewell address. Moses lived another 40 years after this incident. And Mary Eve had already made me promise for another 25 years. And I'm going to do the best I can to satisfy her. But I'm not going to wear myself out. So if this church doesn't continue to grow and prosper, it's going to be because somebody else didn't step up. You see, Moses had Joshua in the wings. He trained Joshua for his next mission. And that's my job. Train for the next mission of our church. Will you stand? Now, why is this all important? Because of something that Dunbar said this morning in Faith Development. The church mission. To seek and save those that are lost. Come on, Dr. Dunbar. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.